Hey guys, you're on with uh, Ashley Goring, uh, and this is the second uh, episode of my podcast. And so uh, we got a different kind of uh, episode that we're going to be doing today. And it is, uh, we are talking about parenting in a different aspect, and still talking about sex and that uh, in a different aspect though. So uh, today I have brought on my good friend Dee with me. Hey Dee, how's it going? Hi. Good, good. I'm uh, really grateful that you're doing this episode with me. It's uh, definitely uh, a subject that is a difficult subject, I think, for a lot of people to talk about and discuss and that, and does have a stigma to this subject. And uh, so, yeah, one of the reasons why I asked uh, for you to do this episode with me was because I realized that uh, there is a stigma to... Uh, this topic and the topic is about uh, adoption now uh, some people might be thinking you know the reason why I asked Dion is maybe you know she was the one that was adopted and which is not the case actually we're talking about you know placing your your baby up for adoption and one of the things that uh, when I first thought about doing this episode uh, I had thought about you and you know doing this episode with you but you never had been really social about it yet, you know, like you'd been social with me. It's funny to me to hear that because I, I come across this actually pretty often. People are always like, what? You you placed a, a child for adoption. Um, I've always been so open about it. So it's something that while I don't necessarily just talk about all the time, um, I do... I, I, it's not something I've ever hidden. So it's it's always something that I just figure people know about me because I am pretty open about it. But then I realized that all of these other people who are maybe weren't around at that time um, aren't necessarily aware and it is kind of surprising to them all. Um, but I, I am actually super open about the fact that it, it was a choice I made in life. Uh, and, that's, and I think that's great. And one of the reasons I did finally approach you on it was because I saw you went social about mm-hmm. like social media yeah you know and uh so I wasn't as uh gun shy to really ask you about it at that point in time because I wasn't sure how many of our friends actually you know mutual friends did know about it yeah I am actually glad to hear that because that was a big part of why I chose to start posting things about it online mm-hmm. um is because it, it is a topic that isn't openly discussed very often and the mm-hmm. more I talk about it the more I realize how many people in my um, not just close social circle, but acquaintances that I meet throughout the day and clients that I meet throughout the day that have been affected by adoption in some fashion or another. Oh, wow. Eh? So yeah, it's, uh, I, I, it's surprising how many people, I think I, uh, from what I read about adoption can affect one out of five. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I believe you know? it after, right. Like you said after the years of talking to people and, and seeing how many people have either been adopted themselves or an adoptive parent or mm-hmm. a birth parent, um, yeah, I'm not surprised. And there's, there seems to be some kind of stigma behind it, right? You know, that I, I think is slowly disappearing, but there is, t- there seems to be a stigma, you know, about, you know, well, you get, you know, I think some people look at it like, well, you know, you gave up your responsibility and that, and you know, that's one thing we want to change because there is more to this. And that's why I'm doing this topic is because there is totally more to why someone makes the decision they are, mm-hmm. are making, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, uh, when I first brought this to you, you know, I had written down a bunch of notes and that, and you came back and you you were happy with everything I wrote, but you did critique one thing that I had said. And, you know, and I think a lot of people do say this is giving up your baby for adoption, right? And that's what I had said. And you had said, I prefer the word placing for adoption, which is very important. 
Uh, because people, when they do hear words differently, they do think differently. It's totally different intent behind the action. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that was that was something that a, a birth mom I had recently met through my work um, had mentioned to me when I had said it. And it, okay. it, I don't know why it was something that I had never thought of before. You because it seems right? so obvious. It does. It totally but, does. But uh, as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, dude, oh wow, yeah. That is that is a, a very distinct difference of it is. giving something up versus making a choice for their best interest. Exactly, exactly. So it was, uh, I, I really liked that you did critique that. Uh, for me so that you know I you know I, I'm saying everything the way you you would prefer me to say it, right and again it, this is a whole learning curve with you know anyone that is listening to this that you know saying this to them they'll hear it differently in their mind and they'll take consider it differently too yeah. right they're yeah. they're not thinking that you're just giving up your responsibility because that's not what you did yeah right so um so how old were you when you got pregnant at uh, 16. I had just turned 16. Lovely 16. Phenomenal <laughs> years and that, right? And <laughs> it was it was terrible. My my best friend at the time had had also uh, just gotten pregnant. She was a little older than I was. But um she had just gotten pregnant and jokingly her and my my boyfriend at the time we were hanging out with her and I jokingly rubbed her tummy because they you know how they say pregnancy yeah. is contagious and <laughs> we just he had said something and I I was being facetious and just rubbed her tummy and then two weeks later found out I was pregnant it was horrible timing <laughs> <laughs> what were the uh, first signs that you noticed that you were pregnant like how did it come to you like did you wake up with morning sickness and go oh my no, god like... I just didn't feel right and and I mean I had never been a, a in my entire life, I've never had just a normal, straight, regular cycle. So Right, I understand um, that, yeah. It was just, I just didn't feel right. So I had taken like three pregnancy tests, all of which came back inconclusive. Okay, because um, it was so early on. I guess, yeah. yeah. So that's when I went to the doctor and, and then they, they did, did the test, test and yeah. it came back <laughs> and I was go oh, okay. <laughs> and so what were, like, what were the emotions, like when you first found out of, you know, you're 16 and... Fear. Fear, Definitely yeah. fear. Fear is the first thing that comes into your mind. There's so many different aspects of fear. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's there's fear of, oh, dear God, what am I going to do? Then there's the fear of, oh, dear God, what is my mom going to do to me when she finds out? Uh, That'd be one know, of my first thoughts always, <laughs> right? of course. Yeah. Right? You never want to disappoint <laughs> your parents. Um, and then also fear of what what my partner would do um, and what his feelings and thoughts would mm -hmm. be and his parents would be. Their, their, his parents were... were very uh religious so okay um us having sex out of wedlock is one yes. thing us being pregnant um, a whole is a whole different matter thing and, uh, um so i was definitely, and so you guys were together right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You guys throughout were even after girlfriend. Yeah. yeah um so yeah no it was fear definitely the first thing yeah and so what, uh, you know, like, did you, did you sit on this for a while before you told anyone? No, I told him pretty well right away. Okay. And then we decided how to handle our parents. Okay. Which we decided very poorly um, about. <laughs> well, you're the, 16, you know, you don't make the smartest choices at 16. Wow, isn't that the truth, hey? <laughs> um, so I, I don't actually remember if we told his parents together or if I left him to deal with that aftermath on his own. Um, <laughs> Poor I, man. I feel like I probably left it to him and I, I did my mom on my own. Yeah. Um, and so I told my mom and, and 
I had a part-time job at the same time as going to high school and that's where lots, him and I worked together. Do. Okay. Um, and my mom also worked there part-time in the evenings uh, okay. after her day job. So I thought that it would be smart to tell her in public because she can't kill me then. Um, <laughs> All the rational things you right? think will make sense. And it's like, right? no, your, your parents will still the, backhand you. <laughs> well, and not even that, but like, my poor mom. Yeah. She's, she's in that work. position. She's, she's dealing with the public. So I, I had made the decision to tell her at work while we were both on shift. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that would be an awkward shift. Yeah, it really was. And so I, I we so worked in a bowling alley. I, I, I literally just blurted it out behind the counter and ran. <laughs> <laughs> and just let her just stand there going, what did she say? Pretty much, pretty much. And then, you know, that evening at home is when the, like, what in the F yeah. is happening, right? So, um, yeah. So how did she really react? Like, what was her... Was it fear at first? Was it anger probably first? Uh, I definitely, I think, anger first just because of the way I chose to do it. For Okay, right? yeah. That was that was yeah. just so bad. That was so Looking bad. Looking back now, you're, you're, like, you're like... I didn't even give her the opportunity to try to handle that well. <laughs> right? Yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, didn't even give her the opportunity to try to, ha- to try to handle it well. Um, <clears throat> so once she, she calmed down, what kind of what did were her feelings and emotions behind what was happening here? She didn't really say much to start. Um, it was originally we had decided we were going to keep her. Okay. Um, so you knew pretty early on you you were having a girl. Well, no, we just knew that we were going to keep the baby no matter what. Okay. And then it was probably. Right around four or five months, I was sitting in the living room one day after school, uh, writing out a budget, multiple budgets. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a planner, incessant planner, and yeah. so I was trying to figure out how we were going to make this work, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just mm-hmm. bring a baby into the world and plan. For sure. Well, lots um, of people do, but you know, it's smart to it's smart at, at your age, even though you made a terrible decision <laughs> on how to tell your mother, you're you know, trying to plan for a budget response, which is great. <laughs> um, so I was sitting there going through all of this and crunching numbers left and right, and my mom come home from work and she saw what I was doing. And asked me about what I was doing. And um, um, I explained. And she just sort of started asking questions. Okay. How are you going to pay for diapers? Who's Are you yeah. going to stay in school? Right. Who's going to watch the baby when you're in school? Because at 16, you're grade, grade 11. 11. Yeah, yeah, grade 11. Yeah. Um, so, you know, are you, are you going to continue with school? Are you going to finish school? Mm-hmm. Who's going to watch the baby if you are in school? Yeah. Uh, you know, how are you going to pay for all of these things so that somebody can watch the baby while you're in school, plus keep food on the table and a roof yeah. over your heads and clothes yeah. on them and diapers? And she just hammered and hammered and hammered with these questions. And I remember getting really upset and feeling attacked and, right. um, you know, just aggravated and yelling and screaming at her how much I hated her <laughs> and running to my bedroom in tears. Right. Um, but she had a valid point. She was she a did. single mom. She did for and sure. She raised and, me and my brother yeah. on her own. So she knew how tough things were. Um, and she had done it when she was fairly young. She wasn't as young mm-hmm. as I was, but she had yeah. done it as fa- fairly young. And, uh, so balled my face off and about half an hour later, she had come down and, and, you know, apologize. She didn't intend to upset me. She was making valid reasons. But she reasons. wanted yeah. Yeah. me to be aware. And yeah. 
that was the moment that I decided that she had to be put up for adoption. And, um, so did your mom at all during like, uh, you know, bringing up all these valid reasons and everything say like, you know, I'm going to be there to help you, but, or was she really trying to get you to realize how like serious this is, you know, this is a huge commitment. Like I don't even really have time because I'm working now two jobs and you know, I'm sure if we had decided to keep the baby Mm -hmm. that she would have definitely been helpful um, as much as she may have, and I, I don't quite recall if she took that firm stance of like, I won't help you, I'm not built-in mm-hmm. babysitter type thing. But I, I know she would have helped to whatever degree she could have. Right. Um, but she definitely wanted to impart that that mm-hmm. sense of urgency and, and understanding that this is a human life and your decisions affect sure. it. And now yeah. that you have that, yeah. what affects you no longer matters. For sure. And how did it affect the household? Because you have a brother. Yeah. Uh, so how did it affect, like, you know, was he kind of on the sidelines a lot of the time while, you know, you guys were no, always discussing I mean, this? And... It wasn't something that seemed to really take over the household. Okay. Um, everybody was aware and, and um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't life stealing in that sense for the whole household. I don't really know what my brother thought of it. Because um, <laughs> even how, how now much I'm talking he? about, he's four years younger. Okay, so he was actually quite a bit younger. Yeah, 12 he was at the twelve time. at the yeah. time. Okay. So, and I mean, it wasn't like he had this big nine month pregnant, you yeah. know, beached whale of a sister walking around the house. I really didn't show very much. Right. Um, I think I had put on fifteen pounds in the entire pregnancy, so I was just wearing a slightly bigger clothing of what I normally did right (laughs) um so it wasn't something that seemed to really take over the household in that sense and I handled all handled all of my doctor's appointments on my own and that was all done between me and and my partner and um so we were super responsible as far as we could be yeah um so it kind of sounds like it kind of sounds like your partner at the time was quite because you hear a lot of times when teens get pregnant and that right uh, a lot of guys just kind of step back and they don't want anything to do with this. And yeah, I, I was really lucky in the sense that he was really there for all of it and, uh, and throughout all of it, we stayed together even, I think probably a year, year and a half after, uh, she was born, we were still together and, and had gotten engaged at that point. Even. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, so yeah, we were really in it together. Um, as much as thinking back on it, I didn't really give him much choice right. when it came to the adoption. And I, I do feel poorly for that on some level. Um, so I guess what, what did he think of your decision from that? He right from go told me it was my decision. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, he would go with whatever I wanted to do because it was my body. Now you said his family was religious. How did they take that decision? They were super upset. Um, right. and his mom did want to adopt, adopt the, baby. the baby. And um, did you go again? Like, yeah, you, you I, I refuse no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If we're, if we're adopting her out, it's not so that one of our parents can, can take that yeah. on and raise her. Um, and so that we have that constantly in our faces exactly. either. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So it was always something that, uh, I tried to be very in control of everything with, with the adoption process. Um, because he did leave that decision to me, so I felt I should be the one to have to handle it. Right. Well, that's uh, 
It's a, it's a very interesting side to hear with, uh, you know, him being so supportive with you. And that's great to hear because you don't hear that, you know. And I, I you know, social media really amps up, like, the terrible stories and stuff like that, oh right? Boy. So, yeah. I mean, like, it's great to hear this other side, too. Uh, and so, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, so, for me, my, my stepsister, actually, she got pregnant at 18. So, she was old, a bit older yeah. than you. And she decided to place her baby for adoption, too. Mm. Now, um, one of the things she had, she had a lot of pressure from the family in regards to making that decision. Cause she actually came to this decision on her own. And I remember talking to her once and I said to her, and I remember saying the words to her, well, don't you want the baby to stay in the family and everything? And her response to me was, well, I can't imagine buying diapers and not jeans for myself. And I literally said to her, you I think you're making the right decision. I totally think you're making the right decision now. So um, my question is to you, did you have a lot of pressure from friends and family, not just family, but friends also in regards to this? Um, you know, my grandmother, uh, who I wasn't super in touch with at the time, she was the only one that was adamant that I keep the baby. Okay. Um, just she's old school yeah. and everything, right? Uh, and, which uh, was surprising on some level because there is that... Uh, it, it is more common in that old school way of thinking um, that an unwed pregnant yeah, mother, sure. that's something mm-hmm. to be hidden. That's something that, that's true. you know, we would send women off to these homes to have their babies in yeah. secret and then adopt them out. And then they would come home and, Oh, they were just away in Europe for the, you know, for the summer type thing. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of weird to me that she was so adamant. I keep it, but my mom was very much adamant uh, at that point, because I had made the decision that I stick mm-hmm. with my decision. For sure. Because it, it really was in the best interest of baby. For sure. Oh, for sure. Um, and then did you have, so you had kind of, you didn't, you had pressure for then from your grandma about keeping the baby. Yeah. Um, and then sounds like probably from your partner's uh, parents kind of thing. Did you have yes. pressure about placing the baby for adoption from anyone? No. Like, you, you're going to ruin your life. You don't need this baby. You know, like, did anyone say those kind of things to no. you? No, no. Um, I mean, other than the conversation mom had about just trying to make it real, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, no, there was never any pressure about giving it up. It was never, it was always a matter of you make your decision and, and go from there. And if what you want is to keep it, then you need to realize that there are sacrifices that are going to come with that. Um, and that if you decide to get, place it for adoption, that there are sacrifices that are going to come sure. with that. For sure, yeah. Um, and emotional sacrifices totally, too, right? Totally, and, and I think when it comes to friends, um, I definitely lost a lot of friends during all of that. Really? Um, and, and it was, I mean, being in high school, I, I would literally walk down the hall and it was like the Red Seas, I was Moses, and the whole, the hallway would just part. Everybody wow. would move to the side. It was very ostracizing. Really? Um... And very, yeah, very ostracizing. Wow. That's, that's crazy to hear that. Just, you know, and like, so did, did you did keep some friends from this? Yeah, there were, there were a couple of good friends that had, um, stuck sort by of you. stuck by me throughout it. Uh, one, there was only ever one friend, uh, after having had her and placed her for adoption and, and everything months later you go through the court hearing and stuff and okay. there was one friend that had come with us to that she's the only friend that had ever actually seen my child other than oh really myself my partner and our parents okay um and her and i unfortunately months later stopped being friends and it was sort of sad and and, and oh, regretful sure. on that level but um but things then changed it was weird the friends that i had lost 
when pregnant um, shifted than after I had given the baby up for adoption. Other people okay. came. I lost other people that had been throughout, and then because you know it's hmm. just the way high school is. I guess. Well, at sixteen, right? I mean, I remember when I was sixteen, I was uh, didn't like my mom and right <laughs> raging. You know, like I can only imagine the hormones you're going through when you're sixteen, and then adding on pregnancy oh. hormones. Like I can only imagine. Like I was terrible. I thought I was pregnancy. pretty good, but I was told <laughs> afterwards that I was. They're like, white the we bitch. just let you believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I was pretty good, but they tell me otherwise. <laughs> well, we always think we're good. Well, I'm totally in the right, right? Like, no, like I, what I'm saying is right. Totally, like, you're totally, totally justifying this right now. <laughs> Uh, so during mo so during pregnancies, uh, most mothers are picking out baby clothes, baby names, you know, and doing up a baby's room and everything. For you, that wasn't the case. You were picking out parents for yeah. your baby. Yeah. And so what? What kind of emotions and like what did that? What tell me about that? Well, you sit back it, and it's funny that you mentioned like your own feelings towards your own parents, right? Yeah. Because that weighs in then in the parents mm-hmm. you're choosing for your child. Exactly. Because. When you're a teenager, you don't understand what your parents are doing and saying and acting the way that they are towards you and and punishments and consequences and all the rest. That just sucks. Yeah. And so you don't (laughs) want, you're never going to be like that when you're a parent, right? So. Because you're going to be a parent regardless. Yeah. You're still going to be a parent. You're still going to have this baby. My my job, yeah, I mean, I, I, even now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a parent because my job was to make choices Mm -hmm. for the best interest of my child just like any parent and in this case that meant having to find a family for her so initially um the because I was like four or five months pregnant when I made this decision I didn't have a whole lot of time right to to get everything in order um and so in Alberta we have three different types of adoption basically available to us. And I actually, in, in preparing for this podcast with you today, um, I did try to go online and see if I could just confirm that those were still available options okay. in Alberta. Well, what were they <laughs> at the time anyways? So three? you have your clothes, your general closed adoption. Okay. Um, you place baby and you never know anything about where it goes, what it looks like. So anything, you don't anything. pick, you, you don't pick nothing. the parents. Okay. They take baby and that's the end of it. Okay. Um, now is that the, is that a common one? Not anymore. Not, Not as common as okay. it used to be. Okay. That used to be the only way it was done. Because the stigma was probably totally. bigger back then. Yes. Um, okay. Open adoption, which is uh, exactly as it sounds, mm-hmm. you go, you and the adoptive parents have gone through some fashion of adoption agency, um, and in some cases, it's the adoption agency takes pictures of baby, places a, a profile, or or the mom even at if uh, baby isn't born yet. Okay. And then they have the same thing for like this book of like adoptive parents basically, or okay. or I guess now it would be online. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but either way, where you have all these profiles of people and what their their lives are like, what they are like, what they're looking for, what their aspirations are, things like that for their lives. Okay. Um, and you kind of choose from that. Um, and then we have open direct, and a, a open direct adoption is typically done in a case where you're adopting to a relative okay or that's spouse what, that's what I kind of thought that um, yeah but also can be done where as the birth parent you actively seek out and choose parents away from an adoption agency okay. people that you know they could be friends they could be friends of friends okay things like that okay um and that would still be under that open direct adoption 
Okay. And so that's what I had gone with. Okay. Um, and so the first family that I w- had initially found for the baby, um, she was a, a lady that my mom worked with in the bank. And we had set up a bunch of stuff and, and uh, conversations. And then just out of nowhere, sort of disappeared. It just oh. vanished. So that was really disconcerting because well, I wanted yeah, this I would think open so. adoption um, where I would be able to potentially get pictures and things and know that she was going to be okay. And then... Uh, so that was... So uh, <laughs> what, what was it that you were looking for in parents? So this was one thing you were actually looking for in parents so that you could get like a yearly kind of like Yeah, I update? wanted to get updates of, of how she was doing. Just, just a picture here or there. Yeah. Or, um, you know, or a couple times a year. And uh, so with the second family, it wound up being that it was uh, my mom's boss and good friend, um, her niece and nephew. Okay. And they were looking to adopt a baby girl uh, because they had previously adopted two boys. Okay. Um, and so they had, they're, they're a quirky little family, a very mismatched little family, <laughs> but they're so adorable and so sweet. And uh, the mom had some medical issues that was why she couldn't have children of her own. And, and uh, so they had been adopting for uh, the two kids. Um, I think at the time that they adopted my daughter was like 12 and 8 and 12 or something like that. So they were quite a bit older. Um, and yeah, so when I met them, there was few things I was looking for but you do definitely weigh in on like the things your parents do and how that affects you and what you would want to be as a parent yourself exactly. and yeah so um a big thing for us though was you know that they weren't so heavily religious because he did come from a religious family right. um and I don't so it was very important to me that she not be baptized unless it was her decision. And okay. as much as I don't get to make that choice right. once she's gone, it was something that I at least wanted to have a conversation about. What are your religious views? Mm-hmm. What are your, your um, plans and ideas there? Yeah. Um, so that was actually a big clincher in, in why I chose them and why we agreed to choose them because um, of the way they went about their faith. As much as they are religious, they, they really... Um, leave it up to their the choice of their child as to whether or not they're going to be baptized when they're old enough to make that choice. Okay, wow. That right That's... there told me everything I needed to know about how they're going to raise their kids For and sure. how they treat their children. For sure. Um, and then in going to their home, you could just tell that like their furniture was taken care of, their home was tidy, but everything was a little bit older. They weren't right. spending on unnecessary things. Right. Everything was going towards putting their kids into programs and good schools and cubs and brownies mm-hmm. and you know all that type and of stuff. And they weren't and they weren't like <laughs> this like neat freak that like couldn't handle a child totally. making a mess, right? Totally. Because I, you know, like I that was one thing that was really hard for me when I first had Kira, and the toys that would be everywhere. And I remember my mom saying to me like, "You just have to." Get Except over it. you have to get over it because this is how it's going to be every single day. When they go for a nap, you can tidy up. The end of the day, when they go to bed, that's your chance to put everything away yeah. and you start fresh the next morning. But you have to get over that because it was a really hard thing for me to get over. And it took me about, I would say, a good three weeks when it first started happening. I was like, 
oh my God, there's just stuff everywhere on the ground. Like what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. and so like, I think it's an adjustment, you know, for sure. I think that's, you know, going and seeing that of someone's house and everything is definitely, you yeah, know, you see that they accept kids for kids. <laughs> totally. A home tells a lot about a, per- a person and especially about a family. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was something that, that really stuck out for us as well. And they were just right from the moment you met them, you just knew that that was that you was just kind of right feel it. you could just kind of feel in your gut that this was the right thing yeah. and right people yeah. uh, for your daughter yeah and I mean at the aftermath of it all is that at the end of it I wound up with a stack of papers uh, probably an inch or more thick of course yeah. of <laughs> literally the last 20 years of their life so oh, wow. even if they had lied to me about something yeah I would have found that out before I signed the papers anyways Right. Um, so they really had no no purpose in doing such and, and, and or in deceiving in any way, right? Because mm-hmm. you do. Like, it's insane, the How information much... that I had on these people afterwards. Yeah. Um, from both of their previous adoptions and mm-hmm. all of their their checks and background checks and criminal checks and, and home checks and all the wow. different checks that have to be done <laughs> uh, when adopting a child. Um, all of those were in there from their previous two adoptions. So that's basically like the last 15 years of their life leading up to all of that. Wow. So uh, coming up closer to the due date of (laughs) your daughter being born, uh, was there any second thoughts that started running through your mind that, I mean, you know, you're pregnant, so emotions change what, like, like you change your underwear at this Uh, point in time, right? Like (laughs) I, I was, I did not know. I knew that this was the choice. I was Mm -hmm. making the best choice for her that was being responsible and, mm-hmm. and um, in her best interest. The problem is the 10 days afterwards when you have the right to change your mind at any time wow. of day. 10 days in. And they have to bring your child back within like a 12 to 24 hour period. Um, so that must those, be... Those are the hard days. Those are the days that you you double guess. Those are the days that you spend there wondering, you know, did I make the right choice? And and you have all of this yeah. fluctuation of hormones yet again yep. now. Yep. Um those those are the hardest ten days of the entire process. To whether or not you made the yeah. right decision. Yeah. To not pick up that phone in the middle of the night when you're desperately missing your baby and your breasts hurt from not yep, breastfeeding not, and yep. releasing milk and and you just yeah. Well, the whole thing, right? You're, you're nine months. You've got this, your baby, and it is your baby growing in you, right? You weren't yeah. a surrogate. This is your baby that's been growing in you. And you felt this baby kicking and everything. You gave birth to this baby. And then you go home, and you don't have the baby. And the thing is, it's not like this was a miscarriage, right? Like, yeah. you, your baby is still alive. Your yeah. baby's out there, right? And so, like, yeah, tell me about postpartum. Like, how... Well, like, how did you deal with it? Because I can say for me personally, I was fine the first one. The second one was a hard one, I thought. Yeah. So I can relate a little bit to some postpartum For sure. Now. So the way it all went down is um, I went into labor 11 o'clock at night at, at my partner's house. I uh, had to take the train to Marlborough from downtown, from oh Crack Max downtown, <laughs> um, to Marlborough where my mom met me. So um, for everyone, Marlborough is like a bit of a, um, 
I went from one sketchy sk- part of town yeah, to, to the next sketchy part yeah, of town. Yeah, it's a bit of a sketchier part of town, and especially in the evenings, you know, like for anyone listening, yeah. this is a, it's an interesting part of town where you see some interesting, you know, like you, the people of Walmart website. I, you know what? I was, I was definitely <laughs> the most interesting thing there that night, I think. Because, um, I mean, I, I, I sat on the C train, and at the time the C train still had the, the chairs that faced each other, the bench rows that faced yep, each other. Yep. So I had my feet up on the bench across from me, all the while rubbing my tummy in like... Beginning back pain. labor, yeah, and oh, and God. on my way to the to to the train, the other train station, and meet my mom, who's going to take me to the hospital. So your partner didn't come with you on the train? No, because we didn't know at that point I'd gone into labor. The reason oh. I left to meet my mom was because I had uh, some spotting. Okay. Um, we had, and I didn't tell my mom this at the time, but we had had sex that night, and afterwards I noticed spotting and. And was concerned, so I called my mom and told her I was spotting. Didn't tell her why I was spotting, but <laughs> told her I was spotting. I mean, on some level, she might have guessed. I mean, probably you're trying yeah, to bring on labor. Sex pregnant, is so. something that brings can yeah, bring right. on labor, right? Totally. So, and the cat's out of the bag that you've had sex at this point in time. Totally, totally. And I had been downtown all day looking for my friend who was uh, at the time living on the streets and in some trouble. So I had been stressed out all day, and then mm-hmm. at his house that night we had sex, and then. The spotting, so I got on the train, and it was on the train that labor pains actually started to kind of come about, and that's when I realized that this wasn't just spotting, this was a a full-on deal now, and so I got to to the train station, met my mom, and uh, get in the car, and get to the hospital, and I get out of the car, and she looks at me and says, do you want want a wheelchair? (laughs) No, I I think I'm good at this point, I've made it from downtown, you know, across (laughs) the city, Uh, 30, 40 minutes. I'm, Which probably I'm felt good. more like an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah, or like probably. your life was just like <laughs> on a standstill Terrible. pain. Terrible. So then we got to the hospital and they admitted me. Um, and as you well know, you, you get this this sensation of needing to go to the bathroom and they weren't going to let me in. So then the nurse left and I snuck into the bathroom and locked the door. So then there's all this banging on the door to get me out. And, <laughs> and uh, so they wind up admitting me. My mom, unfortunately, had to go the next morning. She was, she was supposed to be going the next morning for an exam for okay. her job, uh, for some certification for her job that if she didn't get, she didn't get to keep her job. Okay. So she's, she was really uh, such a trooper throughout um, because while waiting for my partner to get there, she was the one who was massaging my back and rubbing yeah. my feet and getting me through all the pain. Um, and then once he got there, she went and sat in the corner and studied while he did that, in which... I went from this lovely massage, you know how moms are, they're so yep. good at giving love and yeah. care, to <laughs> to what was literally like a love pet. Like, you wouldn't even pet your dog that soft. And it's just like, stop <laughs> touching me! Um, so You're like, this is more aggravating right, right? now. Right? Like, oh, seriously, like, if you don't start putting an elbow in there, yeah. just get out. You're yeah. useless to me. Um, so, yeah, and, and uh, so they kind of switched off throughout the night, and it was seven o'clock the next morning on the dot that she was born and um, mom literally saw the baby and gave me a kiss on the forehead, said she was proud and walked out the door to go do her exam. Mm-hmm. And I originally didn't plan to see her after she was born. Oh, really? I, I wanted them to just that? take her because I didn't want to get attached. I didn't want to change my mind. Yeah. Um, not only for myself, but also for them. Yeah. I couldn't imagine knowing that you were going to get a baby and then getting a phone call and saying, sorry, changed my mind. 
Well, that must be, you know, like you were saying that that 10 days is one of the hardest 10 days because you have that option. Just Can you imagine for them, for them right? Yeah, like they're probably sitting on the edge of their seats going like, and every phone call they got, you know, yeah. they're also, probably... don't get attached, right? Right? They're probably going like, who's calling? You yeah. know, and I, I'm... Whatever year that right. was, you probably didn't have caller ID. Well, and so every it, phone call totally. you're like you know, kind of clenching up kind of thing, totally, right? So right. I can, uh, you know, I can imagine like that their, what their minds would, would just be going through those 10 days, right? Like exactly. that's a hard 10 yeah. days for both It was both just sides. as hard for that. Totally, totally. So uh, they took her away and I got some rest and um, it was after I woke up, Frank, um, my partner and his, his mom and uh, family had been to see her and my mom had gone to see her. And so I just that's... felt this need to go see her. Yeah. And she hadn't cried until that point. Um, she, she was such a trooper. Um, it wasn't until we were leaving that uh, my mom and I went back. And mom had bought a onesie for her. And was putting the onesie on her. And that was the first time she cried. And apparently, according to my mom, the look on my face, I literally just about jumped out of my skin to like you know, what are you doing to my child as she starts to cry for the first time? And mom looks at me and goes, it's okay. Babies cry. Yep. They sure do. <laughs> oh God, She's okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, um, leaving the hospital and then, then the 10 days after you just, you just sit there and question, you know, is this the right choice? Yeah. There's, there's so many ups and downs of emotions of, of everything and you're in pain and uncomfortable and you know I had an episiotomy and mm -hmm. none of it was was super enjoyable and and to have nothing to show for it yeah it yeah. was yeah it was definitely um thought-provoking a lot of the time you there's a lot of late nights of, of laying there wondering and, and uh, sleepless nights and yeah. stuff like that and uh uh, so did you, did you think at that point in time in your life, did you think, you know, did you would ever see your daughter again or, you know, or talk to her? Because of the arrangements we had made with the family, um, I knew that I would at least get pictures and mm -hmm. information through letters and things about okay. her. Uh, we had written her letters and, uh, had given her various gifts, um, her dad had given her his family's from Portugal okay and they do these these name bracelets for babies and, right. and they're so tiny and cute and yeah. so they had given um her his name bracelets okay from when he was a baby um and I had given her a necklace and a, a little Winnie the Pooh mm -hmm. bear um which she still has all of it Aww. um 17 years later so um um yeah there was the knowledge that I would at least see her, even if I didn't ever actually see her. meet her in person yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. um, now we won't ever say her name on here, but did you guys pick out the name or did the, who picked yeah. out the name? We picked out her first name and they gave her her middle name. So okay. she's technically named for all three of her grandmas. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Well, I should, I, I, there's technically, I guess, four grandmas if you include her bio dad, oh, but she's named right. for, for my mom. Um, not directly mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't want that for them for sure to, yeah. to have to call that out all the time yeah but uh, a similar name to what her yeah to what my mom's is and yeah. then her her adoptive parents both their moms 
Oh wow. Names. Okay. Names. Wow. That's yeah. Yeah. So it was a collaboration. Well, that's that's um, really nice. You know that it it's a whole working together kind of thing, right? We're and... honestly, I I I was so blessed and so lucky, and I know there are a lot of really awful stories out there, and I do know that how blessed and lucky and. and I was for everything and the way that it happened and, and that everyone was so supportive throughout um, because they, they even with their previously adopted children, kept in touch with the birth families. Um, in the case of their oldest child, it was his decision eventually not to keep in touch anymore with his birth mom. Okay. Um, and in their middle child, they adopted him when he was quite a bit older oh. um, because his mom had died of epilepsy. So they actually kept in touch with his grandma from, from his mm-hmm. birth family. So they, they always made an effort to that. And I think a big part of that is because her dad, her adoptive dad, is adopted himself. And from the okay. day of adopt, of closed adoptions, when you didn't talk about these right. things, and it was still quite hidden. Yep. Um, and I, I do remember him finding his, his, adopt, his birth mom, um, and it turned out to be like his aunt or something. And okay. uh, because... She was the only person in the family who ever knew that her sister had had a baby. Oh. Um, even to that day. So it was a, wow. a huge issue when it had come out. Um, so And that's a, a pretty common story for people who are 50 plus. Yeah. Um, to to not ever get to see or know their birth parents. And not um, tell anyone. Or or to have right? their birth parents have not told anyone yeah. and it to have been this massive lifelong secret. Which must be just such a burden on yourself, right? Like to keep such a, you know, like it's one thing to keep a secret that like, oh, I broke, I broke what my mom's like favorite glasses right. or something, right? But like we're talking about, you know, you pushed out this child out of you. You carried this child, like to actually keep a secret like that your body went through, your hormones went through. I used to you think know? that way like, about it, but it makes sense to me um, because like even though I had contact for the first five years, we did actually go every year for her birthday for the first five years of her life to, okay. to celebrate with them and bring her birthday presents and have that. Um, and even though I got all the letters and had all the contact, um, there, you, you, it's not there. It's not an active part of your life. Yeah, so right. it, it's easy to compartmentalize and just sort right. of, that's a different part of my life. It's, it's like going back to high school and some of the things that happened in high school you're not that person anymore and it's just such a different thing it's so compartmentalized from what you are doing now and who you are now Mm -hmm. so it it becomes really easy to keep that secret right okay yeah and it it seems less like a secret at that point yeah Um, because you've lived with it like right no I I understand I understand where you're coming from on that for sure uh so you said you saw her for the first five years of her birthdays now what changed at the fifth year like what changed that made this change so just like I had never wanted to uh go and see her when she was first born like before leaving the hospital Mm -hmm. it was always very important to me that I that we not influence her decision to know us I didn't want her to have some inkling of a memory that created curiosity right. to come and find us. I wanted her decision to, to find us and know us to be 100% her own right. um, provocation. For sure. And so um, when she was about five, I figured, you know, I have memories from when I'm about five. Um, very, very vague, very, you know, foggy, mm-hmm. but they're there. Oh um, yeah, I agree. And yeah. they're so much more vocal at that point, right? Yes. Mom is mom and dad <laughs> and da- is dad and they're talking about all of these things and all of the people in their life and it just was so painful to leave every time. And yeah. every, every year that she got older, it got harder to leave. It just mm-hmm. felt like it was 
picking open that scab, that wound again. Right. Um, from the first time. And and to hear her call her parents mom and dad as they are and as they should be yes. and I'm so grateful for them to be. Yeah. Um, was really difficult mm-hmm. and really hard. So it just yeah. was easier not to continue. Um, and again, to not influence that decision. For sure, for sure. Uh, so now I, I know, you know, because the last, I mean, so many years we've been friends and everything, you know, you've always been really open about this with like me. Years it has, and we've been really close for about six, like really, mm-hmm. really close for about six, yeah. I would say, you know. And um, so you have told me, like, that she did reach out to you uh, and that you do have now a connection with her. Uh, but one thing that I really did admire was when this, uh, when this, when she did reach out to you, you contacted her parents. Yes. And, you know, and I really admire you for that because, you know, as much as, you know, a, a, a parent that places their baby for adoption, you know, they, they are their, bi- they are the biological parent and, you know, so you feel like you have some rights, but you, you know, you really did respect these parents. I think too. it's really important when, uh, dealing with these types of situations that you have boundaries and you stick to them. Yes. Um, because it can be really easy to overstep that line exactly and it is a very tenuous line to walk and it's something i struggle with a lot with her Mm -hmm. um which which might become easier once she's an adult and everything i do right so on that level i mean she was it was just just before she turned 16 that Mm -hmm. she got in touch with us yeah um and then you know like that's really young i didn't expect at all for her to come that oh, young. Really? Okay. Um, I thought it would be older, at least into her twenties. Um, and if, if anything after her parents had passed. Okay. Um, cause that's pretty common for adoptive kids after their, their adoptive parents have passed. Cause they don't feel like they're stepping on any toes anymore. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, with, with her siblings being adopted <laughs> too, and it was probably such an open thing in that household to begin totally. with. Totally. And that's that, just it. Like yeah. she's known since she was probably three or four that she was adopted and it has been openly discussed ever since. Okay. So um, I guess I should have probably guessed it would have come sooner <laughs> and maybe was a little naive there, but I was really surprised and and that was really tough. And I, I will be very honest that I wasn't excited. Um, that brought up a lot of emotion and a lot of crap that I thought I had dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I had, but it, it's different now mm-hmm. when they're older and... and can sure. ask you questions. Yeah. Um, so it, it was something that, yeah, I immediately contacted her parents to say, Hey, you know, I don't yeah. know if you're aware that she's reached out, but just in case you're not, I want you to know, I don't want to step on any toes. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, and that was when they had told me that they were well aware and that she had been curious for quite some time and they had been expecting her to make contact at, at some point mm-hmm. um and things like facebook and everything make that so much easier it, now it really does it's almost like someone can be intrusive like not in this scenario but yeah. like in other scenarios it's well, like you know you can just see everything happening with someone <laughs> she, she you know being 15 um it was a friend of hers who had contacted me first uh which threw me and so like I, I i don't know and you hear all these awful things about bullies and stuff now and uh, online bullying and stuff. For all I know, this is some bully who's trying to gather information to pick on the, you know, the her right. more. Yeah. So I was really reluctant to touch base, and it was um, after I had ignored a few messages from her friend that she finally reached out to me. 
So I think what had ha- what was happening was sort of like that idea of, oh, hey, you know, I like that boy. We will go find out if yes, he likes exactly. me, right? Yeah. Um, but in this case, it was her parents. So um, we had met at a, an open mic night that she and her friends were going to be performing at, at a, a coffee shop in her hometown. And uh, uh, it was a little like being in a fishbowl and on display because all of her friends yeah. and a lot of her friends folks were there okay Um, so periodically you know you'd get one of them run up and and whisper something in her ear and then take off back to their table right (laughs) the typical 15 year old kind of ways right and you're like oh my god and I mean the other side of that was that that was the first time that me and her dad had seen each other since we had split as well Um, well since since she had turned five actually because we had only gotten together for her birthdays after so he was going to those two and everything so it seemed like he was really like you both were on like the exact same page of what was happening right um and somewhat being there i guess emotionally for each other totally and and nobody else was ever going to understand the situation no we were exactly so um and even now and and you know as much as we hadn't talked in so long in seeing each other, there was a little bit of awkwardness for both of us. He's a very shy person. Okay. Um, and so there was a little bit of awkwardness for both of us, and we didn't necessarily end on the greatest of terms. So uh, we didn't know what to expect with her. We didn't know what to expect with each other. Um, it was it was interesting. So since then, we've been in contact. We're not friends. We're not anything like that. But we've at least been in contact in regards to her and stuff as it needs to happen. Um, but her parents have always been very just, yep, you know, super open. I mean, we're taking her camping in, in a a week and a half, uh, for a couple of nights in the mountains and her parents are just so, yeah, go have fun. We're happy that she's spending time. Well, that's great that it's not like. Uh, a jealousy and anger thing and I mean they have two older kids that were adopted so they've obviously been prepared for this kind of stuff you know already when it came to her right um which must have made it a whole lot easier when you did pick them too because they already had two two they knew what they were dealing with and 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 we had personal experience yeah so and that just must have made the trust even bigger with you guys so what was it like seeing your your ex again after all these years with all this happening now you guys are in contact because of this or <laughs> awkward, awkward, awkward. Um, it's like, hey, we've hung out probably a total of three times now. Um, we've now come to a point, I think, where we've recognized that we don't need to hang out with her together. Right. We can, yeah. we She's can do that separately. Now. Yeah. Um, the first few times that we met it was, yeah. So. The, the the coffee night, uh, when she did the open mic night, that was the first time we had hung out and saw each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chatted a little bit, you know, how how's things, you know, what's new, are you still in your same job? Yeah. The, the, the small talk, <laughs> chit chat, like how's the weather type stuff. Yeah. Um, it was raining yesterday. Right? <laughs> um, and then she's really quiet, so that's not super helpful with the awkwardness either because of... All of us, I, and I mean, you know me, I'm yeah. not exactly the most talkative, you know, exuberant person <laughs> um, with me, in a group but setting. Not in a group um, setting, no. <laughs> so, of the three of us, though, I'm, I'm like, life of the party in comparison. Mm-hmm. So, it was, it was really awkward to try and find topics to talk about with uh, just seeming like you're talking about yeah. nothing, right? Um, thankfully she was performing. So that was something that gave us a lot to talk about and, and the songs that she was performing. A couple of them were songs that, 
like she had asked each of us what we oh, would wow. like to hear, and she learned uh, learned those songs and played wow. those. Good for her. Um, right? She's yeah, she is. I don't know where she gets her ability to be on stage. She's she's very shy and quiet when you sit there and talk to her, but yet put her on a stage and and she will sing and and play ukulele and guitar. And... See, but I under I understand that because I don't have fear singing in front of people, but if I were to get up and talk like when I had to do class assignments and talk in front of people, right. I would stutter, I would like and I would just like freeze. Right. And I would like sound like this idiot talking basically <laughs> that just like had no idea how to even speak English. It was like, what is this chick doing up there, right? Mm. And so I completely understand that like there's a different uh thing about talking in front of people and singing right right totally it really is yeah yeah I don't know where she gets the daringness to get on stage because that definitely doesn't come from (laughs) me or her dad uh that must be a product of her raising (laughs) um you definitely see a lot of nature versus nurture when you have when you have an adopted child um but uh but with him we're we're on good enough terms that we can converse about her and and deal with each other in that sense. That's good. Um, but we realize we don't need to be friends and yeah. and buddy buddy. For sure, for sure. Which is nice. So there's one part that we haven't really <laughs> discussed yet, and you know, like um, I you you and your partner uh of today have been together for like ten years now, same yeah. amount of time Tim and I have. What, like, how, how did you end up telling him when you guys first got together about this? You know, I don't remember how it came up. Like I said, I'm, it's something that I am pretty open about. Mm-hmm. So it's usually something that I'll be talking with someone and I'll say something like, oh, you know, my daughter. And they kind of look at me funny and go, excuse that's, me, you have a daughter? That's what Tim and I both did too, because you made that comment and we're like, yeah. What? And so then <laughs> that's when the topic gets started and, and everybody finds out. And so I imagine it was probably something very similar to that. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't remember like specifically sitting down to say, oh, hey, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. Um, you didn't have this like huge, yeah. like, I gotta talk to you, we gotta do dinner. And- yeah, <laughs> right? Because it, again, it's something that I, I've already dealt with. It's just such a non-issue. For sure. For sure. And so how, how does he feel about, you know, all the connecting now today? He has always been really excited about it. Um, even well, when I, first... I know him well now, so I know he totally would be more, you totally. know, like he would, he would have that positive, you know, vibe going for everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he, when it first all came about, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. Um, I think it was more of a shock, a, probably. Totally, for you, right? There was a lot of stress about it, and like how to how to handle things properly, and is she gonna hate me, and all of that, all the right? Worries and fears totally. coming to you. Yeah. Um, so I I wasn't super stoked about everything at first, and he really chastised me a lot in the beginning over what he felt was my lack of excitement, but was me dealing with things at an arm's length. Yeah. Um, because I, I, again, I have, and I've always been someone who has strong boundaries in my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, groups of people don't intermix in my world. Yeah. It's just the way it's always been. And so I had this boundary of, mm-hmm. of dealing with that situation and, and compartmentalized it. And now this boundary is being a crossed. And B, it's being intermixed into my current life. Yeah. Um, 
so I he was always much more pushing me to 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 get out there and talk to her and mm-hmm. have conversations with her and be a part of it and which is good that's what your partners you know are there <laughs> for to encourage you to do those hard things in life you know and I I give them a lot of a lot of you know applause for that and being that totally. being that strength for you that you didn't know how to be at that point in time right totally and I am I am glad to a degree that he did um um, as much as I also needed to be able to handle it at yeah. arm's length to yeah. start with, because oh, for sure. she's fifteen, I I can't. If she was eighteen when she came back, no holds barred. I you know I pro- yeah. I might not have even reached out to her parents at that point, but mm-hmm. she's a adult. child. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember, you were only a year older than her. Well, when but you that's got the pregnant. other thing, right? <laughs> is that that almost to some degree made me even more protective. I mean. She was dating a dude in a band. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And she's coming up on her 16th birthday. I had only just gotten pregnant after I turned 16. So, like, I I knew what was coming down the pipe in this little girl's world. But she didn't. And and, and Dating a guy in a band to boot, eh? Like, right? Like, oh my God. You're all going... of my, my worst nightmares are coming true here. And so You're like, like, I thought I wasn't going to feel these, like, emotions of, like, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, and not even necessarily that. But I thought I would have been coming into your life when you were past that point. Yeah. More settled so I didn't have to deal with these things, right? But, um... Um, but he was, yeah, he's always been really good about it and, and he, it's him and I who will be taking her camping in a week. Um, she was actually, I had taken her to a concert for her birthday, 17th birthday just recently and she was adamant that she meet him and, oh, good. and okay. uh, that, that well, needed to happen right away. He's been, he's been a part of your life, like I said, for 10 years, just yeah. the same, you know, like Tim and I, 10 years, right? So, I mean, it's not like this is just a guy you're dating, right? Like, exactly. Like, well, yeah. You guys have had a life together yeah. for a long time now. So I, I completely understand why she wanted to meet the person that's a huge part of your life. Well, right? and they were just two peas in a pod. I mean, we, we, I literally made it happen a half an hour later um, <laughs> because we were in the area and we had to kill 15 minutes or so before heading to the concert Ah, oh, well, we'll just swing past the house and, and say so hi. Weird. And and literally, she walked in the door. They said hi. And within 15 seconds, both of them were sat on the floor with instruments in hand, <laughs> um, talking about music and teaching each other about about different uh, styles of playing and, and chord structures. And yeah, um, it was... I didn't <laughs> exist anymore with it. Like, it was like, okay, okay this, is, this is cool. So is this, uh, you know, like seeing seeing him with, you know, your daughter, and that, has that like made you guys want kids and that? Because you guys don't have kids. No, and besides, so he besides you having your daughter. Yeah, he always did really want kids when I first met him. Uh, he's jumped a little bit more off that bandwagon as we've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that either of us are for or against. Right. We're of the mindset that if it happens, wonderful. Yeah. If it doesn't, he'll play video games and I'll go travel the world. Well, there you go. Right? It's it's a win-win either way. Um, I think having her around has made it more possible in the sense that um, whether I acknowledged it or not, there was always that, that concern or worry that if I did have another kid, when she did come back, there'd be that question of why did you keep them and not me, you know, or... or 
hate towards that. But I think she's old enough to understand that you were 16 when you were pregnant with her, right? It is something that we've talked about. Right, whereas now you're an adult. Like, we're talking about teen versus adult here, right? Like a teenager, right? Everything your mom brought up to you. Uh, saying like, well, how are you going to feed this child? Are you going to stay in school? Like, mm-hmm. that's not, we're not looking at that situation anymore, right? Like, you yeah. guys have just bought a house. Like, you're in a totally different situation now compared to being a 16-year-old. And, and that's where I do think having her come back has made me feel like, you know what? Okay, maybe I could have a kid and not have that worry and not have that concern anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, if it is something that's going to happen, it better happen soon because I ain't getting any younger, right? <laughs> but uh, but it, it is something that I think is more feasible and more plausible now Yeah. Um, since having had all of this interaction. So you had a bit of a, a hold back mentally on some level? Yeah, whether I acknowledged it or not, mm-hmm. I think subconsciously that was always kind always of there, there. And it was something mm-hmm. that I always waffled on. Okay. Um, you know, there'd be periods in life where your hormones flare and it's like, yes, yes, I want a baby so bad. Look at how cute that is, as right? As you saw Kira. Oh, God. <laughs> so cute. Um, but then then there'd be that moment of like, nope, nope, I'm, I don't... I don't want to deal with that mess. I don't want to deal with that aftermath of, of if she yeah. does come back, right? Um, I think that always did weigh in a little bit whether I acknowledge sure. it or not. For sure. Um, and and to be honest, I did get pregnant again after Michelle um, was born um, because... Uh, and and we used all of the proper precautions. Um, it just, just, you know, sometimes that's the way nature works. So uh, no, after everything I've been through... So you got pregnant a second time, and of course, teen hormones just well at just that point I was and... like twenty, I think, and again it wasn't a a, a relationship. Uh, we we were friends, but we weren't in a relationship, and so um, I knew I wasn't able to do another adoption um, just because of everything that I had felt with the first one. Um, so I did wind up doing an abortion that time. Um, but that was also a consideration in making that choice was, mm-hmm. you know, is she going to come back and hate me if I was to keep this? Right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, teen, teenage sex here. And, you know, one of the things that does really bug me and, you know, I don't like to call it this, but it really, it really is to some extent, you know, having a baby now as a teenager is a fad on some levels with this teen mom thing and you know I don't watch it at all because I just I don't believe in this there's so there's so many complications to having a baby in that and it should be a really exciting time in your life because you're prepared for it yeah. and everything right and accidents do happen but there you know like I feel like there's so many teenage pregnancies right? now this because is, it's a fact this is just it it's it's like yeah okay teenage pregnancy happens uh, it's it's a shit thing, but it does. It happens, mm-hmm. uh, and you deal with it. Yeah. But these TV shows that are sort of glorifying it, they really are perpetuating it, and you do see young girls who are hormonal and don't think about consequences. Same with yes. boys. Yeah. Looking at it from the perspective of, oh, I love my boyfriend. Yeah. You know, as much as any sixteen-year-old loves their boyfriend. Um, and yep. he wants to break up with me, I'm going to get knocked up and keep him is, yep. is almost some of the thought there. Um, or, you know, that somehow it's going to be- make their life better. Um, when realistically it's going to make life a 
whole heck of a lot harder, uh, but they do, they glorify it. And it, it is not something that should be, should be glorified. And I mean, there is, you know, because of this, the stigma has gone, gone down, you know, of being an unwed mother and everything and having a child as a teenager. And one thing I was researching when I was researching and I read online and that, um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. I was reading it, but they were saying that like adoption itself has gone down in the last so many years, but the wait list has gone up. Right. And that's due to so many teenagers are now keeping their baby. Right. Yeah. And like, and families are taking it on. Like it's for them. Their, right. Their it's everyone's responsibility kind of thing. Not just this teenage mother. Right. And I mean, you know, it, you, being a mother, you always try and help your child in any way possible, you know, to with yeah. the situation. But I do, I do feel like on some level we're living in a society where this has become somewhat of a fad, you know, and, doing these shows I think is just sending the wrong message well, on so many levels I think some of it is like this whole idea of our kids not feeling any pain or any hurt or any anything yeah. all the time right um so you as mom step in to help um or dad even step mm -hmm. in to help your child in the raising of their child in some cases it is a beautiful situation of a village raising a baby yeah in other cases it's a built-in babysitter and yep. this teenager who was probably a, a bit of a wild child in the first place yep. is now just out gallivanting while yep. mom or dad are stuck at home raising yep. their their grandbaby um i definitely think that is a, a concern um, and, and the other concern becomes, do your aging parents have the capacity financially even to for be sure. able to raise your child for you as, as it gets older? Um, but I think also that because there is a little bit of that stigma towards, towards giving up as opposed to placing, yes. uh, giving up your child that, um, that weighs in there too, right? You're, you don't want your kid to be judged that way. Yeah. So you're going to help her keep it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, like I said, I think it's really important that that wording that you've corrected me on um, is totally important because it makes people think differently because the w w words are very powerful. Mm -hmm. When you say certain words, certain words come, come across differently than other words, right? And giving up your baby, yes, it sounds like you're giving up whatever it is, right? Yeah. You're giving yeah. up on something. Giving Whereas placing your baby, right? It, it actually sounds like you've made a decision yeah. that was best for your baby. Yeah. Is what it sounds like, right? When that's, I hear that. That's your job, right? Is and to, to... like I said, I was totally blown away by just you saying that to me. I was like, oh, wow. Like, it's actually crazy to hear that because I hear it differently now, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally, totally. do. Uh, so I think that's totally really important that, you know, we we say the you know mm -hmm. we say the proper words i think in a, at, at one point in time it would have been appropriate to say that you gave up your child for adoption because yeah. a lot of mothers really did have to give up their children right um yeah. <laughs> but nowadays it it should be a conscientious choice yeah um made in the interest of your child because you are a parent and every choice you make for the rest of your life will be in the interest of your child if you decide to keep it. For or at sure. least should be in the interest of your child if you decide to keep exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. Uh, and so, like, what a lot of people um, probably want to know, like, what... So you you actually have said already in the podcast that you call her your daughter. Yeah. Um, what does she refer to you as? Uh, she calls me by my name. 
Okay, she says yeah. this is, and when she introduces you, she says this is. She Deanna. she says this is this is Deanna, my my bio mom or my okay. birth mom. She's very very quick to point out that I'm her birth mom. Okay. To everybody, uh, which at I think first would be was at a little age. bit bothersome to me because yeah. I I felt sort of put on show, um, and <laughs> and that strangers were suddenly knowing things about me that I, right. I don't know these people. Right. But they weren't strangers to her. Totally, right? and so. that's and that's the thing. And at the end of it, you know what? It's just a matter of she, she's showing me her life. She's yeah. obviously proud. Yeah. In some some regard, and that that is a win. And I should just roll For with sure. that. For sure, on some level. I mean, yeah. as a parent, you kind of you know Tim's giving me shit. You just he's like just let it go. Just roll it like yeah. you know. Yeah. She's not gonna have a tantrum if you don't do this. Like just let it go. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's always been my number one goal in life has been to make myself somebody that she would be able to say she was proud of when she met me. Um, because I was a wild child. <laughs> I did get into trouble. Clearly. Um, clearly. <laughs> so you know, it, it was always something that from from the day she was born, I had set I had set out to be a better person so that she would have someone to be proud of when she mm-hmm. found me not you know some some strung out parent that that uh you definitely not right that. like <laughs> you know what i mean i yeah. just didn't want her to to be like oh dear god thank god she gave me up yeah right yeah as opposed to to you know she made a responsible decision for me yeah no for sure for sure um so it's it's very uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Canada has a very interesting past when it comes to adoption, and I didn't realize this until you kind of brought it up to me. Um, now, do you want to kind of talk about this a bit, and I'll sure. chime in because you had a lot more knowledge, and I did do research on it. But it's a very interesting Canadian history about adoption, and very yeah. kind of freaky almost. <laughs> right, right. It's scary the way things were handled once upon a time because it was closed, right? So you could get away with a lot yes. more. Um, without people ever talking about it and, and telling on you for having done something yes. wrong. Yes. Um, so in East Chester, Nova Scotia. Yeah. So in, in Nova Scotia specifically, yes. uh, they have a, a fairly sordid history, um, with birthing homes and adoption houses, um, where unwed mothers, uh, or, um, people who, mothers that didn't want to keep their child otherwise whether they were unwed or otherwise, but specifically unwed mothers would be uh, taken to these places mm-hmm. where they would, as soon as they were starting to show, they would go and live there until the time that they gave birth. Um, and then they were supposed to get like a week or so's care afterwards. And then they'd go home and, oh, they've just been on a lovely holiday. And, and that's why you mm-hmm. hadn't seen them. Some um, of this I've read now, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, they didn't always go home right away because they had to pay off their debt yeah. there by yeah. working there totally. too. So, so you would definitely wind up with some moms who, who couldn't afford to pay for the care and thus had to help take care of other moms or other babies that were coming through these homes. Um, and at that time babies were saleable. Yeah. Um, so we didn't just place them for adoption in their best interest. We sold them to people uh, who wanted babies, and yep. whether they could have them or not. And they're saying and a lot that, of sales went down to the States. Yes, they're uh, saying this a was a major source for illegal trade between Canada and the U.S. Totally, and and there was a big push in those times, too, to keep same with same. So Catholic babies went to Catholic families, right. and, and, you know, babies of other ethnicities, would we would try to... Mm-hmm. They were less saleable, so they were less likely to be put um, in a home. And if you you were an unsaleable baby, uh, you were often left 
to starve and die. Um, you weren't picked up. You weren't mm-hmm. taken care of. Um, and what they you said weren't was, even buried properly. You were you were stuck yeah. in a butter box and stuck in the ground behind these people's home. So it's quite interesting that there's the re- the reference name basically of butter box babies yeah. and. Uh, basically it was this box that was a dairy box from like what the yeah, convenience the store, right? And that's you. what these babies, and it was either babies that weren't sellable or, uh, had, they weren't sellable in some aspect. Whether it was due to deformity or ethnicity or, and um, they were just an ugly baby. Yeah. Uh, which is terrible because some ugly babies really turn out to be the most beautiful oh, human it, beings, it's right? Tr- it's so. true. It's true. And basically like what they said was... They gave them water molasses, and within a few days, a few weeks, yeah, they would be gone, kind of thing. And I mean, it's crazy to think that you know, like they either put them in the their fire that they had, you know, when they passed away, or they're buried around this. Uh, it's called the ideal maternity home. Yeah, and yeah. it's quite eerie to think that there's all these butter boxes buried. There's actually this. a book you can go and, and get at the library that has like the whole tale of how the the ideal maternity home came to be in existence, the people who ran it, the mm-hmm. things that they did, the the way the babies were taken care of or were not taken care of, yeah. uh, where they were sold to, um, all of that. It's it's interesting to me to think that there's people out there that would have let, you know, like I know when my daughters were hungry, they're screaming, they're crying. Like you could, you, you these, can't these ignore people, that. These people, you know, working this home would just let these babies well, scream to, you right? know, they you're, you would they think that your maternal instinct, whether it was your baby or not, uh, would. But kick even if in you weren't a mother, yeah, yeah. Even if you're not a mother, like um, to just be able to hear this and let all this happen, like it just blows my mind to hear that's how. Yeah messed up this was right and it's 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 from 1928 to about 1945 is what they're saying so in between the war time and before that it probably was even worse oh for sure this is just what we have noted right yeah and And that's just one area exactly all of north america would have been partaking in similar for sure for sure and so it's quite it's quite interesting you know because they have the ports and everything there in nova scotia the salem men come and knock up these women you know and and take off and so it's I was quite blown away when I started reading about this I'm going like oh my god like and it's crazy to think because you know Canada you don't usually hear of these crazy Canada Canadians like like, to forget our sort that's that's just it that's just (laughs) it we we don't tend to ever really hear about these things right for as Canadians so I was quite taken back when I read this and I was oh my god wow like Right, yeah. To hear and, about this kind of stuff. And to think that society, a fear of what society will think or do to you in, in ostracizing you and uh, labeling you, that fear overrides your um, maternal instinct to take care of a screaming child because you are there for a period of time after the yes. baby's born, yeah. uh, receiving care and such, or potentially if you haven't been able to pay your debt taking care yeah. of babies, that the fear of society's ostracization and stigma is so overriding your maternal instinct to care for a screaming baby um yeah you know who may or may not be saleable where we're living in a society nowadays that you're seeing women get in fights in grocery stores after one mother being like oh you shouldn't touch that right. you know to another woman's you how know it's crazy it's crazy to think of how different it is but it's also crazy to think this is how women were treated really right like this is they were so they had such a fear 
of how society would look down on them and they must have been on how they would be treated too right well of course i mean back then a a woman's worth was highly tied to the men in their lives right so um if you wanted to land a good husband and have a good life you needed to abide by certain society Mm -hmm. society societal structures um and and that means you know being pure at the time of marriage and all of these different things so that's where a lot of women would have hidden it and and why their sisters would have been listed as the birth mom or things like that um happened a lot more frequently and that's why they were always closed right so that you couldn't have this this mishap come back yeah. and surprise you 20 years later and ruin your life yeah and there's a there is a there is like a network of butter box babies of these children basically mm-hmm. the ones that were, didn't end up in the butter box yeah. right uh but this is what they call this network basically um of these women trying to find now or children in general not i shouldn't say women yeah. uh these children trying to find their parents and you know I, like i read a few of them where this one woman you know like her her mom wasn't even happy that she had contacted her and that like because she, she has never to this day told anyone in her family that ever about this you know and it's thing. it's you know like i can't, sadly it's, it's sad it's yeah. very very sad it's a it's a very common thing um and that's where i think that the the use of gave up your child is a more applicable term yes um yeah. and yeah. i know like in in the case of my daughter's adoptive dad that was the instance for him like she wasn't super thrilled when he found her since all of that it has come out and and her family's now Mm -hmm. aware of everything but up until that point i couldn't have imagined living 50 years of my life without having said a word to anybody yeah um about something like this right and then how you would feel if that did suddenly come out of the woodwork right yeah and Um, not on your terms right coming out of the woodwork either right that's the hard thing when it comes out and it wasn't your decision you know it's like um <laughs> yeah you know i i gave you up you know like and that's essentially like what you said back in those days that is what the term would have been is yeah. they gave up their baby because yeah. they didn't tell anyone they, and they had no intention choice. and they didn't have any intention of telling anyone yeah right so it's a very it totally is a huge difference in wording for that because that really was the time um yeah, so it's very interesting, you know, like I recommend to, uh, for people to go and do more research and read about this because it's a very interesting past of Canada that we, I don't think a lot of people know about. Totally, yeah, it is. Uh, so uh, what, um, what would you tell yourself as a teenager today? You know, like what, is there any words in that? Like, don't as get knocked te- up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know what, I wouldn't change any of it at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't truly believe in, in regret. Every choice you make um, leads you to where you are now and all you can do is proceed from that point. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't change the way that it happened. I wouldn't change who her parents are. Yeah. Um, I would maybe change the fact that it happened at all, but in, the, in saying that, then I wouldn't have this relationship with this yeah. absolutely beautiful, inspiring human being. Right. Um, so it's hard to say even that, right? But, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I would advise any 16-year-old male or female, make sure you're using protection. <laughs> For sure. At this point, you're probably having sex. That's just life, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But no, be it's, safe, it's be not, protected, it's because sure. one night changes your entire life. And Or that know. one afternoon, whatever, yep. you know, oh, like yeah. you're a teenager, well, you're trying to fit it in anywhere that at that was, point and, in time. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, you don't think about it really at the time, but... Looking back on it, I mean, I got knocked up in the back of my my guy's mom's minivan. 
that's that's like you know and and in <laughs> my daughter when she says to me when she found this out she was like what why in the back of a minivan because that was the most convenient place teenager. at the time it's not like you can just go home and and do it in your yeah. bedroom when your parents are home yeah right? so you'll find somewhere and you always do you always um, do <laughs> so just just be safe right and and be be smart about it yeah right yeah and so what do you uh what is your i guess message for women today that are going through possibly making this decision of you know placing their baby for adoption what what message do you want to give to them about about this you know and if they're worried about the stigma on that um at the end of the day if you are doing it from the knowledge of making a decision for your child it will be a little easier it's never truly easy but it will at least make sense to do it then um, but not to allow other people's opinions and other people's ideas of what your life should look like um, or what you should do to to really influence that because at the end of the day the only person it affects is you and the person that uh, helped you make that baby mm-hmm. um, and you have if to do if this person's still relevant yeah around totally and yeah. you have to do what is in the best interest of the child you i'm sorry to say as a parent you no longer matter yeah. your your thoughts feelings emotions um none of that truly matters when it comes to making the best decision for your child mm-hmm. often being a parent is sacrifice it is um, it really is <laughs> i agree to that <laughs> right and and i think that's something that sometimes parents forget these days yeah. um is that it's okay if your if your kid doesn't like you i uh, would have been just fine with the fact if she had come back and hated me because i knew that the decision i made was in her best interest for sure and yeah. whether she appreciated it or not that was what was necessary for her survival in life yeah um, and that she wouldn't be able to be angry at me if I hadn't done that. So, For sure. uh, I'm grateful that she's not, but, but it is something that you have to realize is not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's about what is the best for their survival and their existence on this planet. And sometimes that's just not being with you. For sure, for sure. Well, no, it's a, uh, some great information for women out there. You know, if any any of you are, you know, struggling with this decision, uh, you know, just just know you're not alone out there oh, because definitely. there is a huge network from what I understand. I'm, I'm actually, I was really upset this morning. Like I said, I was, I was doing some research to see if the three mm-hmm. types of adoption are still applicable in Alberta. Um, and I was really upset to find that there is... Everything is geared towards the adoptive parents. Nothing is geared towards birth parents. There is very little information about how the birth or the adoptive process happens from the birth parent side of things. Okay. It's all as an adoptive parent seeking a child. Okay. There's lots of information for that. But um, it I is did, a little I did harder. realize that too. I did yeah. actually realize that too. It is I a was... little bit harder and it, it almost feels like the birth mom is, or birth parents are being a little bit forgotten in this process. Right. Um, but definitely know that you aren't alone. There are mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of supports, a lot of groups, a lot of um, communities out there for birth parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just heard about a, a camp type retreat thing for birth moms and birth dads. Uh, in the states where they go and spend like a weekend or a week or something and and just be be together and and understanding of each other's for sure shared um experiences um so there are a lot of options definitely know that and the more you talk about it 
the more you will find that uh, it affects every, a, a lot of people and, and they're, they will help support you in that decision as well. Well, yeah, like I said, this is, this is great information to know. And, you know, I hope this does help, um, a lot of, a lot of women that are in trying to make this decision, this hard decision, because it is a hard decision. Very. You know, it is. It's totally, for sure. It's anything, anything to do for your child is always a hard decision. And this one is definitely would be a really hard one because I, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being in this situation, you know, and, uh, and I hope that this podcast alone helps uh, get rid of some, some people's stigma that they do have towards it. Yeah. Because that, is, that really is what I want people to take away from this is to understand, you know, the decisions of why, why some women do make this decision, right? Yeah. You know, this isn't that your baby's being taken away from you. This is you've made this decision because it was the best possible decision totally. you thought. It is not something anybody takes lightly. No, exactly. So thank you so much for coming on and doing this uh, episode for me. Uh, I really appreciated it. And um, I always love our talks together anyways. We always seem to go on for about three hours when we we do get together and have talks. And we can hit like 10 different subjects too, it seems like. And I like it because we do have a good uh, banter with each other and Mm. uh, have that respect for each other. So again, I really, really appreciate you doing this with me. And uh, thanks so much, Dee. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back with another episode in a few weeks.